0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Social historian and writer Patricia O'Sullivan is back in Hong Kong, so I was delighted to meet up with her at Tai Kun, the compound of the former Central Police Station, Magistracy and Victoria Jail on Hollywood Road. Patricia's recent book on women, crime in the courts focuses on local and European working class women who get on the wrong side of the law in Hong Kong from the start of British colonial Hong Kong in 1841 and for the next 100 years. Patricia O'Sullivan will be giving a talk at Taekwun next Saturday January the 14th and I joined her to walk and talk around Taekwun starting off in the former magistracy.
1: It's really interesting to be in this magistracy building because of course this is just Uh, Dates from about 1914, and it replaced a building which was so far unfit for purpose that it was quite a severe health hazard. It really impeded the process of justice because the defendants couldn't be heard, the witnesses couldn't be heard, prosecution couldn't hear what the magistrate was saying. So the acoustics at the moment in here are are very... (laughs) Well, the acoustics would be good if we weren't, if there wasn't some construction stuff
0: going on the ceiling. Perfect timing now. I mean, the magistracy, I mean, as with a number of the buildings here at Taikwen, it, it's it's been beautifully renovated. This one, the acoustics were better, people could hear the judge. We're in a more modern magistracy than some of the cases that you write in your book. But, I mean, just being in here, despite the little bit of construction work going on, I mean, you know, being here with the the high ceiling, the circular windows and uh, the box for the defence witness and the judicial clerk and interpreter. So you've got all this court set up. Can you imagine sort of being in here when one of these cases took place that you write about? And perhaps you could give
1: me an example of one. Indeed. So in, in front of me now, I'm standing in the defense witness box, but in front of me now is the box in which the defendants would be. And for example, in 1876, uh, two, two women, a widow and her uh, elderly maid servant, stood in that box accused of kidnapping a little girl called Wong Afun from Canton, Guangdong, as we know now. And she had been snatched from her family home. And smuggled down to Hong Kong with the women, it was probably going to be sold as a moochai, a little child servant. Fortunately for her, her parents were very active in trying to find her, and her grandmother came down, and actually spotted her on the streets and got hold of a policeman and reported that, that she'd seen her little granddaughter. The police took this very seriously. The two women, the widow and the servant, were arrested and charged. And the child's father came down. He hadn't actually seen the kidnapping, but he was able to identify his child, and the child obviously identified him. And the magistrate decided that the servant the maid servant was not guilty and had just been acting under orders from her her mistress but the woman herself received a, a sentence of 12 months hard labor oh and what would hard labor have been in those days well hard labor for women was rather different than hard labor for men hard labor for men was very often road-making, stone-breaking, or even the very laborious and non-productive crank-labor or shot-put, where you're just moving stones around, very heavy stones. Hard labor for women was nearly always oakum-picking. Which is what? Oakum-picking is having a length of tarry rope from the ships. And without the use of a nail or any little hook to help you, you have to separate all the fibers out. It's very, very hard on the fingers and especially unt- until they become sufficiently calloused so that they don't bleed all the time and they would have to complete a certain number of pounds of rope per day.
0: Oh and I mean just I mean hard labour as you say and, and
1: very hard on the fingers and the hands and I would have thought very mentally boring. Indeed, very much so. There is a question though whether the women had to do that all the time and whether they didn't just simply do do washing and things like that because the trouble with oakum was that there were a lot of little local children who with the help of a pick to make it much easier and less less taxing on the fingers would sit on the harbour wall and and pick oakum as a piecework so the government had ended up having to pay more for its oakum than it got for the unconstructed rope.
0: Having researched this social history of women, how does it feel standing in the magistracy, even though, as I say, this is a slightly more recent one in the, in the history of, of Taekwun, than the one perhaps where these women would have been tried?
1: Well, if you remember that the hundreds, thousands of people who came here, the thousands of defendants, the thousands of witnesses, the thousands of people who had been impacted one way or another by the various crimes, It's quite amazing. The court is quite small, but it administered justice, or what we hope was justice in most cases, for so many people. So at the back of the magistracy, actually, here, what is this book? And it's an actual electronic book that you just press the pages on. Well, the book is is entitled, it's one of three. It's entitled The Magistracy and Society. And what you get when you touch the pages to turn them is that you get... A different crime recorded on each page. So, piracy? Piracy on the page, first page we're looking at. Pirates raid police station, <gasps> yes. Oh, now this is one, one of my favourites because like, uh, they ra- raid the, the police station in Chongqiao in 1912. One of your favourites, so do you like crime then? <laughs> <laughs> No, this is one of my men. This is the, so the, ah, the, on the, the police, police side. Yeah, the station sergeant. Who was One on, of my men, not the pirates. <laughs> the station sergeant was Patrick Bulger for this, and three of his Indian constables were murdered in this raid. So it, uh, it was a very, very significant raid, and it resulted in the rebuilding of Chungchao Police Station.
0: So the actual pirates raided
1: the police station on the 19th of
0: August 1912. So that was Chungchao Police Station, which was attacked by a gang of pirates. Yes, and you say three Indian policemen were and two pirates were killed.
1: And then you turn to the next page, and there's a little article about the crime, as it was, of hawking, or rather, hawking without a licence, I should be specific about this. Hawking selling food, selling sweeties, selling small articles. People were ex- expected to have a licence, as, as now, I think, but many, many people couldn't really afford the license even and so the police did come down on them quite firmly so there's uh, the story of the 19-year-old Chan Hing spotted hawking on Cochrane Street he was arrested for having no hawking license he lo- oh the- he then lost his temper and threw the arresting officer to the ground <laughs> not, not a good either. move <laughs> <laughs> no so, so then he was not only hawking but he was also on charges of assault yes he was fined a dollar for illegal hawking and $50 or 6 weeks rigorous imprisonment for resisting arrest. So we've got hawking,
0: we've got uh, pirates and uh, also some of the crimes. And of course, um, opium went in and out of whether it was legal or not. So there was also illegal human trafficking, gambling and uh, triads. Triads and, oh,
1: traffic (laughs) offences. Triads
0: and traffic.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I think I might have done a bit of jaywalking this morning. (laughs) uh, Turning this page to traffic offences, yes. So soon after, as it says, soon after Hong Kong welcomed its first motor vehicles, traffic accidents followed, and indeed there were. And so then this book gives you a nice little article and a case from 1926. So this is, yeah, February 1926
0: from the South China Morning Post. So, yeah, this is a, a lovely couple of electronic books at the back of the magistracy here at Chai that that provides you with these snapshots of criminal activity and how it was dealt with.
1: Indeed, and then there's a, a book that deals with the trial procedures, and a book that deals with high profile cases.
0: So as we wander around Taekwun today, I mean, with your book Women, Crime and the Courts, Hong Kong 1841 to 1941, of course um, you're focusing on the second half of the 19th century largely and, and also into 20 years. So. When a woman would come here, she's committed a crime, she's been caught, or she's thought to have committed a crime, and uh, she's here at Taekwun. What would the process have been? So what happens to her here? Is she put in a
1: holding cell initially? No, very, very frequently she would be taken to the women's prison because there were strict rules about how women were treated and they, they wouldn't have been held in police cells very, very often but they would have been taken here to the women's prison where the matron would have made space for her. When it was time, usually just a few hours later, for her hearing at the magistracy, police would come to take her. They would then escort her through to the lower regions of the magistracy building where she would have sat in the holding cell underneath the courts itself until her case was called. She then went up the concealed stairs as they were that opens with a trap door into the magistrate building itself and stands in the in the dock before the magistrate so this is the same day or within a few days it's within 24 hours usually majority of women who were arrested I think were arrested during the daytime so their case might well be heard that afternoon Oh okay, it went that quick (laughs) So you had very hard working magistrates Indeed you did, yeah, yes They were working full time It was ten to four, ten to half past four job They got their hour off for tiffin, lunch (laughs) It was a railway speed that some of the magistrates went through their cases So if the, the woman is found guilty of whatever the crime is the police then take her in charge again They take her to the charge room in the police station where they note down her name, her address, her her details. They also make a note of any of her possessions, and then she is given her prison number, assuming that she's been given a custodial sentence a prison sentence they then escort her past the magistracy again and then to the gates of the women's prison which we can just see from here we're standing just in front of the magistracy building and where she would be received by the matron and then inducted into her life in the prison
0: and when you say inducted into her life in the prison so would have been several women in
1: a cell at different times there's different different things for the majority of the time the women were most of the women were held in two communal cells wards rather they are large rooms i mean would they have beds they would have bed spaces normally speaking so sometimes there were wooden planks on the floor that were their bed space that simply stood up during the day But if they were in a cell for any reason, which was not the usual, not the norm, within the women's prison, then there was usually a a stone bench projecting from the wall on which to sleep. But first of all, before they got to to that point, the matron would be making a note of their names, finding out where they lived, would then make sure that they bathed. So once the woman had been washed and cleaned, and the matron had confiscated any articles that she was not allowed to have, and then submitted those to the superintendent of the jail, she would then explain the rules of the jail to the woman. She would read the rules and explain the rules of the jail, of how she had to do certain work. She might not have been committed to hard labour, but she still had to work, so that might well be tailored or it might be the general cleaning of the building, it might be helping with the preparation, putting out of the food, things like that. All of this would be explained to her how she had to, more or less, well she had to keep silence, there wasn't to be any fraternising between the women. So they weren't allowed to talk? Officially they weren't allowed to talk, but the men were quite often punished for that but I haven't found evidence that it was quite so strict in the women's jail. I think that's a bit harsh. Well it reflects the system that happened in Britain, where it it's called the silent system where a jail of 1,000 people should be entirely silent and it's to, to break the spirit it's a different ambition I mean the jails in Britain were all about attempting to reform the characters by totally destroying their criminality in Hong Kong There wasn't that motivation, but they still followed some of the rules. Coming out of Britain. Yeah, coming out of Britain, Yeah, in terms of discipline, yes.
0: A sort of silent prison system. So the women, yeah, as you say, they're they're given the rules, they're given their bed space, and they would
1: have a variety of different types of labour to do. Would there have been compassion for age... Age and fitness, yes, of course, certainly. But also, very often, the woman brought in a a very young child. If the child was under a year they were allowed to bring the child in a baby wasn't separated from its mother and even sometimes when the child was slightly older if there wasn't a suitable person with whom to leave the, the child this baby this infant went with its mother to the prison and the prison found the clothing took the responsibility of clothing the baby usually the child is it's a, it's a child that's still being being breastfed that and what happened in. once the child was over a year well when they found a suitable person for the child to be taken to outside. A suitable so, if the, if, so
0: if the mother had a longer yeah, yeah, jail yeah, sentence?
1: yes, right. That doesn't often happen. You're not even talking about one a year. So it, it wasn't a huge problem that a mother had a long jail sentence. Generally speaking, the mother would be in jail for three months, three weeks, this sort of period of time. It's yeah. Ah, OK. So
0: then she would come in with her young baby, be able to continue breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, as we've been talking, the sun's come out here at uh, Tycoon. That's nice to see. I'm with social historian Patricia O'Sullivan, and uh, we're having a look at Tycoon. It's so good to see you, Patricia. Patricia's been away for. <laughs> Are you glad to be back?
1: I'm delighted to be back. <laughs> I can't tell you.
0: Actually, we've got the opportunity to hear you speak about women and crime. Is that next weekend?
1: That's next weekend at the Gender Salon here at Taekwon on Saturday the 14th of January. At two o'clock, the talk's entitled Incarcerated Women, 90 Years in Victoria Jail, which sounds rather daunting. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever did 90 years in Victoria Jail, no one person. So I'll be talking about the the jail itself, the occupants of jail and the matrons, the women who looked after the prisoners here. So that's
0: on the 14th. So if you'd like to sign up for the talk, do we just go to the website, the Taekwoon website?
1: Yes, I think. One becomes a, a Taekwondo fan and then you can, get, you can get a ticket or get entry into it. It is free, I know.
0: So we've just wandered up to the front of D Block and, and I love all the different archways and almost like tunnel structures that you get at Taekwondo. So this is actually where at
1: one point the women would have been kept but this is a private building these days for staff. That's right. This for most of the period between 1862 and 19... 19- 28 or so. This is the, the building where the women were. It's the ground floor of what is known as D-block, and it had two association cells, which are large rooms, dormitory rooms, and a number of smaller cells. And uh, so you'd have several women kept in at the same time? Yes. There's never very many, until the point at which the new women's prison at Lightycock was built. So sometimes there might only be six prisoners here um, in this building. Sometimes there will be 18, 20, 30 at any one time. So who is the first named woman criminal, so the first one that you could find in records to be sentenced? The first one we know of by name, as you say, is Leong Kwok Shi, who with her husband Leong Awa in 1844 were sentenced by the newly opened Supreme Court. So she had appeared at the magistracy then and then been sent to the Supreme Court and their case was the very first one to be heard on the 2nd of October 1844. They were tried for the crime of kidnapping two young women and luring them onto their boat and then sailing up to Canton in order to sell these young women into prostitution but once more, rather as with the little girl we, we heard about who was kidnapped from Canton, Guangdong, they had a brother, there was a brother of one of them who got to hear of where they, they were and went after them, took a Hong Kong policeman with him, and the miscreants were brought back to Hong Kong and stood trial.
0: So this is the first lady, she's actually tried
1: and sentenced at the Supreme Court. So where was that at that time? Just near to the harbour front. So they were both given sentences of 18 months. The man was given hard labour with it. The woman wasn't given hard labour, but she was taken and she sat in the kang, which is like the early stocks, once a month for a period of a few hours.
0: She sat in the kang? So that's a new word for me. So that's, what does
1: it look like? I think it's a large piece of wood with a hole in for your head and it fixes round your head, so you know, there's no way you can go anywhere because you've got this huge bit of wood round your neck.
0: Yes, I've seen... I mean, I, they were staged postcards for tourists, but I think I've seen pictures done like that in, in later years with the advent of photography.
1: But uh, she was made... So that
0: was a, an exercise in
1: public humiliation. Indeed, uh, and not only that, was a warning to others, potential kidnappers, this is what's going to happen to you. So that's our first... Named woman criminal, who was actually
0: tried in the Supreme Court. Now, at that time, I mean, what we're looking at Taekwondo today, I mean, I love wandering around, there's some cells that you can have a look at, so you get a sense of what it was like to be imprisoned here, and don't assume that those cells just had one person in them either at
1: times. But what I'm looking at today, of course, is not the original compound. No, originally, I mean, the British, when they arrived, only intended building a a jail for western british prisoners because they were the the noisome ones and so the the jail that they built was one of the first two first stone buildings and it was alongside the magistrate's house which also served as a magistracy and it's in this same area I'm not sure whether we can exactly pinpoint its location, but it is in what we know of now as a Taekwong compound towards the south side. So the, the magistrate's house was a rather poorly built building and after a couple of years, they had to build another one for William Kane, chief magistrate, and the, the jailer lived in that house. But there were a couple of types of criminals that they hadn't thought about. I should go back and say, having built a stone building for the rowdy Westerners, they very soon found that they had to also incarcerate some of the local Chinese. And Well, they just requisitioned a couple of sheds and strengthened those somewhat for the first Chinese prisoners but two groups of people that they hadn't considered one with the debtors people who were imprisoned for not paying money they owed what sort of debts did you come across then would that be money owed to a government or money owed to a business it would be money owed to a business or money owed to another individual so two two people could take each other to court and it's called summary jurisdiction and they fight over who owes what to whom because before you
0: mentioned it i'd forgotten this idea of a debtor's prison
1: yeah it's a civil case so therefore they're not subject to a penal regime and they have a better lifestyle they're they're entitled to receive food in they could order out (laughs) more or less yeah (laughs) so early delivery Yes. Uh, what they're not allowed to order out is a uh, liquor or opium, but they are allowed cigarettes or ah. cigars, tobacco. That's vaguely civilized. Now they had to they had to find somewhere else for, for debtors because debtors could kick up a stink really if they were put into the prison with with criminals because they were not criminals. So the debtors uh, had to be found rooms in the chief magistrate's house or later jailer's house and the other group of course were women well there weren't very many of them there might be one or two this time but
0: it's interesting how you describe that you sort of say oh you know maximum probably at times here was 30 then when it does build in later times and of course the population is growing then a women's prison is created at Cock, but am I being naive? I mean, were there fewer women committing
1: crimes? Are there always fewer women committing crimes? No. (laughs) (laughs) Things changed in the 1930s and beyond, but in this early period, yes, there are fewer women here anyhow. There's also a lot less female criminality. There's an unwillingness to understand things that women have done as crime quite often. But the so there's quite early empathy. Because this was the other thing
0: with, with your book Women, Crime and the Courts Hong Kong 1841 to 1941 is something that, you, that does come across here is, is also the social circumstances of these women, how some of them are genuinely forced into a position of desperation where they commit a crime. It might not necessarily always be just
1: perhaps greedy intent yes i wouldn 't like to say that the earliest uh, magistrates had much empathy for for the women, but there's the understanding that these aren 't crimes as committed by women. I mean what is so striking is the huge disparity between what happens here and what happens in England or Scotland, where in England about of criminals were female or or criminals within the jail system were female and in Scotland it's almost closer to 40% so the very very large numbers but in those two countries I mean most a lot of those women in jail were prostitutes. Now that's very different in Hong Kong because the, the brothel slavery system kept women who were employed in the sex trade within within brothels and not on the streets and not therefore um, subject to committing crimes. In general terms, brothels were legal. Uh, some brothels were legal. Brothels that had, were licensed were legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did this place look in the 1850s? In the 1850s the, there were still the original uh, prison buildings but they were gradually being replaced And but the chief magistrate's house which then became the the jailer's house and the women's jail and the, the room for the debtors as well had to be knocked down and it was rebuilt more substantial structure was rebuilt about 1856, 1857 which gave the, the women a couple of rooms and it also allowed a room for the matron or the wardress I should say, right at the outset there wasn't a matron to look after the women and, and the records say that the women were attended to by the, the jailer Himself. (laughs) Now, I suspect they were attended to by the jailer's wife, and certainly it would seem that the first woman to be listed as the matron was uh, Mrs Collins, was the jailer's wife. So they spend a few years in this new building, which gives them rather more space, and then, 1862 or so, uh, there's the development of what we know now as the Taekwondo site. Although, I have to say, you can hardly see the original shape from what now exists and that's nothing to do with well it's only very partly to do with modern um, renovation the original 1862 plan was a half radial system yeah this is interesting for me this is you telling me about you know how it would have looked
0: were prisons often built in a sort of in a radial so
1: with various branches going out it was a particular type of design that was used quite often both in Britain and in the USA. The idea was that all parts of the prison could be seen from a central viewpoint, central, often central watch So a half-radial system means that you've got, in, in Hong Kong's case, an east and west projection of buildings... And then there were the two buildings going out at 45 degree angles from those, and then another, a, a fifth um, leg, as it were. And these would have all been made out of brickstone? Yeah, indeed. Now, you, in your historic research, have
0: managed to find these, these women prisoners. The social stories whereby, you know, sometimes it was the conditions that they were in, driven by poverty. It could be the, the death of a husband that drives them into that desperate situation. Some women probably just were <laughs> taking advantage of a situation where they could kidnap a young girl or, or whatever and, and generate some money. Do you think that more needs to be done to tell the women's story in Hong Kong?
1: Women's story in Hong Kong is almost invisible. Read any of the standard histories and you might find in 300 pages, you might ha- find five women mentioned. So women's history is, is always an afterthought anywhere in the world pretty well. But in Hong Kong, it's, it's really quite acute, I would say, in terms of the lack of representation we see in in the way history is understood here. So really at the Gender Salon where you're going to be uh,
0: giving your talk, these stories really do need to be properly told and properly researched?
1: They matter. Yeah, for a lot of the time women are not half the population of of Hong Kong. But they are a good percentage. You know, they're they're always at least twenty five percent of the population of Hong Kong. What you go for a lot of the time is what I'd
0: class as nitty gritty working class, which means that again these these women will disappear from history because they're they're not the governor's wife.
1: They're not a visiting travelling writer. They're people indeed who didn't didn't write their own stories who were too busy just making enough money to keep body and soul alive or to send money back to keep mum alive or whether mum was in, in Ireland or whether mum was up in up in mainland China. Just, yeah, keeping themselves going. But as
0: social historian and writer Patricia O'Sullivan says, the stories of the women in Hong Kong's history matter. You can attend her talk at the Gender Salon at Kwun at 2pm on January the 14th. Please go to the Taekwun website for more details. I also recommend the exhibition at Taekwun, Women in the Shadows of History, which is on until January the 15th. I'll add more details about Patricia's talk and the exhibition on the Hong Kong Heritage Facebook page. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.